Chapter 9 of Glimpses of Unfamiliar Japan, First Series, by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 In the Cave of the Children's Ghosts. Section 1 It is forbidden to go to Kaka if there be wind enough to move three hairs. Now, an absolutely windless day is rare on this wild western coast over the japanese sea from korea or china or boreal siberia some west or northwest breeze is nearly always blowing so that i have had to wait many long months for a good chance to visit kaka taking the shortest route one goes first to mitsura from matsue either by kuruma or on foot by kuruma this little journey occupies nearly two hours and a half though the distance is scarcely seven miles the road being one of the worst in all izumo you leave matsue to enter at once into a broad plain level as a lake all occupied by rice fields and walled in by wooded hills the path barely wide enough for a single vehicle traverses this green desolation climbs the heights beyond it and descends again into another and a larger level of rice fields surrounded also by hills the path over the second line of hills is much steeper then a third rice plain must be crossed and a third chain of green altitudes lofty enough to merit the name of mountains of course one must make the ascent on foot it is no small labor for a kurumaya to pull even an empty kuruma up to the top and how he manages to do so without breaking the little vehicle is a mystery for the path is stony and rough as the bed of a torrent a tiresome climb i find it but the landscape view from the summit is more than compensation then descending there remains a fourth and last wide level of rice fields to traverse the absolute flatness of the great plains between the ranges and the singular way in which these latter fence off the country into sections are matters for surprise even in a land of surprises like japan beyond the fourth rice valley there is a fourth hill chain lower and richly wooded on reaching the base of which the traveller must finally abandon his kuruma and proceed over the hills on foot behind them lies the sea but the very worst bit of the journey now begins the path makes an easy winding ascent between bamboo growths and young pine and other vegetation for a shaded quarter of a mile passing before various little shrines and pretty homesteads surrounded by high hedged gardens then it suddenly breaks into steps or rather ruins of steps partly hewn in the rock partly built everywhere breached and worn which descend all edgeless in a manner amazingly precipitous to the village of mitsura with straw sandals which never slip the country folk can nimbly hurry up or down such a path but with foreign footgear one slips at nearly every step and when you reach the bottom at last the wonder of how you managed to get there even with the assistance of your faithful kurumaya keeps you for a moment quite unconscious of the fact that you are already in mitsura section two mitsura stands with its back to the mountains 
at the end of a small deep bay hemmed in by very high cliffs there is only one narrow strip of beach at the foot of the heights and the village owes its existence to that fact for beaches are rare on this part of the coast crowded between the cliffs and the sea the houses have a painfully compressed aspect and somehow the greater number give one the impression of things created out of wrecks of junks the little streets or rather alleys are full of boats and skeletons of boats and boat timbers and everywhere suspended from bamboo poles much taller than the houses immense bright brown fishing nets are drying in the sun the whole curve of the beach is also lined with boats lying side by side so that i wonder how it will be possible to get to the water's edge without climbing over them there is no hotel but i find hospitality in a fisherman's dwelling while my kurumaya goes somewhere to hire a boat for kakaura in less than ten minutes there is a crowd of several hundred people about the house half-clad adults and perfectly naked boys they blockade the building they obscure the light by filling up the doorways and climbing into the windows to look at the foreigner the aged proprietor of the cottage protests in vain says harsh things the crowd only thickens then all the sliding screens are closed but in the paper panes there are holes and at the lower holes the curious take regular turns at peeping at a higher hole i do some peeping myself the crowd is not prepossessing it is squalid dull-featured remarkably ugly but it is gentle and silent and there are one or two pretty faces in it which seem extraordinary by reason of the general homeliness of the rest at last my kurumaya has succeeded in making arrangements for a boat and i effect a sortie to the beach followed by the kurumaya and by all my besiegers boats have been moved to make a passage for us and we embark without trouble of any sort our crew consists of two scholars an old man at the stem wearing only a rokushaku about his loins and an old woman at the bow fully robed and wearing an immense straw hat shaped like a mushroom both of course stand to their work and it would be hard to say which is the stronger or more skilful scholar we passengers squat oriental fashion upon a mat in the centre of the boat where a hibachi well stocked with glowing charcoal invites us to smoke section three the day is clear blue to the end of the world with a faint wind from the east barely enough to wrinkle the sea certainly more than enough to move three hairs nevertheless the boatwoman and the boatman do not seem anxious and i begin to wonder whether the famous prohibition is not a myth so delightful the transparent water looks that before we have left the bay i have to yield to its temptation by plunging in and swimming after the boat when i climb back on board we are rounding the promontory on the right and a little vessel begins to rock even under this thin wind the sea is moving in long swells and as we pass into the open following the westward trend of the land we find ourselves gliding over an ink-black depth in front of one of the very grimmest coasts i ever saw a tremendous line of dark iron-coloured cliffs towering sheer from the sea without a beach and with never a speck of green below their summits 
and here and there along this terrible front monstrous beechlings breaches fissures earthquake rendings and topplings down enormous fractures show lines of strata pitched up skyward or plunging down into the ocean with a long fall of cubic miles of cliff before fantastic gaps prodigious masses of rock of all nightmarish shapes rise from profundities unfathomed and though the wind to-day seems trying to hold its breath white breakers are reaching far up the cliffs and dashing their foam into the faces of splintered crags we are too far to hear the thunder of them but their ominous sheet lightning fully explains to me the story of the three hares along this goblin coast on a wild day there would be no possible chance for the strongest swimmer or the stoutest boat there is no place for the foot no hold for the hand nothing but the sea raving against a precipice of iron even to-day under the feeblest breath imaginable great swells deluge us with spray as they splash past and for two long hours this jagged frowning coast towers by and as we toil on rocks rise around us like black teeth and always far away the foam bursts gleam at the feet of the implacable cliffs but there are no sounds save the lapping and plashing of passing swells and the monotonous creaking of skulls upon their pegs of wood at last at last a bay a beautiful large bay with a demi-lune of soft green hills about it overtopped by far blue mountains and in the very farthest point of the bay a miniature village in front of which many junks are riding at anchor kakaura but we do not go to kakaura yet the kukedo are not there we cross the broad opening of the bay journey along another half mile of ghastly sea precipice and finally make for a lofty promontory of naked plutonic rock we pass by its menacing foot slip along its side and lo at an angle opens the arched mouth of a wonderful cavern broad lofty and full of light with no floor but the sea beneath us as we slip into it i can see rocks fully twenty feet down the water is clear as air this is shinkukedo called the new cavern though assuredly older than human record by a hundred thousand years section four a more beautiful sea-cave could scarcely be imagined the sea tunnelling the tall promontory through and through has also like a great architect ribbed and groined and polished its mighty work the arch of the entrance is certainly twenty feet above the deep water and fifteen wide and trillions of wave tongues have licked the vault and walls into wondrous smoothness as we proceed the rock roof steadily heightens and the way widens then we unexpectedly glide under a heavy shower of fresh water dripping from overhead this spring is called the ochozubachi or mitarashi note such are the names given to the water vessels or cisterns at which shinto worshippers must wash their hands or rinse their mouths ere praying to the kami a mitarashi or ochozubachi is placed before every shinto temple the pilgrim to shinkukedo-san should perform his ceremonial ablution at the little rock spring above described 
before entering the sacred cave here even the gods of the cave are said to wash after having passed through the sea-water end of note of shingokedo-san from the high vault at this point it is believed that a great stone will detach itself and fall upon any evil-hearted person who should attempt to enter the cave i safely pass through the ordeal suddenly as we advance the boatwoman takes a stone from the bottom of the boat and with it begins to rap heavily on the bow and the hollow echoing is reiterated with thundering repercussions through all the cave and in another instant we pass into a great burst of light coming from the mouth of a magnificent and lofty archway on the left opening into the cavern at right angles this explains the singular illumination of the long vault which at first seemed to come from beneath for while the opening was still invisible all the water appeared to be suffused with light through this grand arch between outlying rocks a strip of beautiful green undulating coast appears over miles of azure water we glide on toward the third entrance to the kukedo opposite to that by which we came in and entering the dwelling place of the kami and the hotoke for this grotto is sacred both to shinto and to buddhist faith here the kukedo reaches its greatest altitude and breadth its vault is fully forty feet above the water and its walls thirty feet apart far up on the right near the roof is a projecting white rock and above the rock an orifice wherefrom a slow stream drips seeming white as the rock itself this is the legendary fountain of jizo the fountain of milk at which the souls of dead children drink sometimes it flows more swiftly sometimes more slowly but it never ceases by night or day and mothers suffering from want of milk come hither to pray that milk may be given unto them and their prayer is heard and mothers having more milk than their infants need come hither also and pray to jizo that so much as they can give may be taken for the dead children and their prayer is heard and their milk diminishes at least thus the peasants of izumo say and the echoing of the swells leaping against the rocks without the rushing and rippling of the tide against the walls the heavy rain of percolating water sounds of lapping and gurgling and plashing and sounds of mysterious origin coming from no visible where make it difficult for us to hear each other speak the cavern seems full of voices as if a host of invisible beings were holding tumultuous converse below us all the deeply lying rocks are naked to view as if seen through glass it seems to me that nothing could be more delightful than to swim through this cave and let oneself drift with the sea currents through all its cool shadows but as i am on the point of jumping in all the other occupants of the boat utter wild cries of protest it is certain death men who jumped in here only six months ago were never heard of again this is sacred water kami no umi and as if to conjure away my temptation the boatwoman again seizes her little stone and raps fearfully upon the bow on finding however that i am not sufficiently deterred by these stories of sudden death and disappearance she suddenly screams into my ear the magical word 
Same! Sharks, I have no longer any desire whatever to swim through the many sounding halls of Shinkukedo-san. I have lived in the tropics. And we start forthwith for Kyukukedo-san, the ancient cavern. Section 5 For the ghastly fancies about the kami no umi, the word same afforded a satisfactory explanation. But why that long, loud, weird rapping on the bow with a stone evidently kept on board for no other purpose? There was an exaggerated earnestness about the action, which gave me an uncanny sensation. Something like that which moves a man while walking at night upon a lonesome road, full of queer shadows, to sing at the top of his voice. The boatwoman at first declares that the rapping was made only for the sake of the singular echo, but after some cautious further questioning, I discover a much more sinister reason for the performance. Moreover, I learn that all the seamen and sea women of this coast do the same thing when passing through perilous places, or places believed to be haunted by the Ma. What are the Ma? Goblins. Section 6 From the caves of the Kami, we retrace our course for about a quarter of a mile then make directly for an immense perpendicular wrinkle in the long line of black cliffs immediately before it a huge dark rock towers from the sea whipped by the foam of breaking swells rounding it we glide behind it into still water and shadow the shadow of a monstrous cleft in the precipice of the coast and suddenly at an unsuspected angle the mouth of another cavern yawns before us and in another moment our boat touches its threshold of stone with a little shock that sends a long sonorous echo like the echo of a temple drum booming through all the abysmal place a single glance tells me whither we have come far within the dusk i see the face of ajizo smiling in pale stone and before him and all about him a weird congregation of gray shapes without shape a host of fantasticalities that strangely suggest the wreck of a cemetery from the sea the ribbed floor of the cavern slopes high through deepening shadows back to the black mouth of a farther grotto and all that slope is covered with hundreds and thousands of forms like shattered haka but as the eyes grow accustomed to the gloaming it becomes manifest that these were never haka they are only little towers of stone and pebbles deftly piled up by long and patient labor shin dakodomo no shigoto my kurumaya murmurs with a compassionate smile all this is the work of the dead children and we disembark by counsel i take off my shoes and put on a pair of zori or straw sandals provided for me as the rock is extremely slippery the others land barefoot but how to proceed soon becomes a puzzle the countless stone piles stand so close together that no space for the foot seems to be left between them mada michigarimas the boatwoman announces leading the way there is a path following after her we squeeze ourselves between the wall of the cavern on the right and some large rocks and discover a very very narrow passage left open between the stone towers but we are warned to be careful for the sake of the little ghosts if any of their work be overturned they will cry 
so we move very cautiously and slowly across the cave to a space bare of stone heaps where the rocky floor is covered with a thin layer of sand detritus of a crumbling ledge above it and in that sand i see light prints of little feet children's feet tiny naked feet only three or four inches long the footprints of the infant ghosts had we come earlier the boatwoman says we should have seen many more for tis at night when the soil of the cavern is moist with dews and drippings from the roof that they leave their footprints upon it but when the heat of the day comes and the sand and the rocks dry up the prints of the little feet vanish away there are only three footprints visible but these are singularly distinct one points toward the wall of the cavern the others toward the sea here and there upon ledges or projections of the rock all about the cavern tiny straw sandals children's zori are lying offerings of pilgrims to the little ones that their feet may not be wounded by the stones but all the ghostly footprints are prints of naked feet then we advance picking our way very very carefully between the stone towers toward the mouth of the inner grotto and reach the statue of jizo before it a seated jizo carven in granite holding in one hand the mystic jewel by virtue of which all wishes may be fulfilled in the other his shakujo or pilgrim's staff before him strange condescension of shinto faith a little torii has been erected and a pair of gohei evidently this gentle divinity has no enemies at the feet of the lover of children's ghosts both creeds unite in tender homage i said feet but this subterranean jizo has only one foot the carven lotus on which he reposes has been fractured and broken two great petals are missing and the right foot which must have rested upon one of them has been knocked off at the ankle this i learned upon inquiry has been done by the waves in times of great storm the billows rush into the cavern like raging oni and sweep all the little stone towers into shingle as they come and dash the statues against the rocks but always during the first still night after the tempest the work is reconstructed as before hotoke ga shinpai shite naki naki tsumi they make mourning the hotoke weeping they pile up the stones again they rebuild their towers of prayer all about the black mouth of the inner grotto the bone-colored rock bears some resemblance to a vast pair of yawning jaws downward from this sinister portal the cavern floor slopes into a deeper and darker aperture and within it as one's eyes become accustomed to the gloom a still larger vision of stone towers is disclosed and beyond them in a nook of the grotto three other statues of jizo smile each one with a torii before it here i have the misfortune to upset first one stone pile and then another while trying to proceed my kurumaya almost simultaneously ruins a third to atone therefore we must build six new towers or double the number of those which we have cast down and while we are thus busied the boatwoman tells of two fishermen who remained in the cavern through all one night 
and heard the humming of the viewless gathering and sounds of speech like the speech of children murmuring in multitude only at night do the shadowy children come to build their little stone heaps at the feet of jizo and it is said that every night the stones are changed when i ask why they do not work by day when there is none to see them i am answered ohisan note august fire lady or the august sun lady amaterasu o mikami end of note might see them the dead exceedingly fear the lady sun to the question why do they come from the sea i can get no satisfactory answer but doubtless in the quaint imagination of this people as also in that of many another there lingers still the primitive idea of some communication mysterious and awful between the world of waters and the world of the dead it is always over the sea after the feast of souls that the spirits pass murmuring back to their dim realm in those elfish little ships of straw which are launched for them upon the sixteenth day of the seventh moon even when these are launched upon rivers or when floating lanterns are set adrift upon lakes or canals to light the ghosts upon their way or when a mother bereaved drops into some running stream one hundred little prints of jizo for the sake of her lost darling the vague idea behind the pious act is that all waters flow to the sea and the sea itself unto the nether distant land sometime somewhere this day will come back to me at night with its visions and sounds the dusky cavern and its grey hosts of stone climbing back into darkness and the faint prints of little naked feet and the weirdly smiling images and the broken syllables of the waters inward borne multiplied by husky echoings blending into one vast ghostly whispering like the humming of the sainokawara and over the black blue bay we glide to the rocky beach of kakaura section eight as at mitsura the water's edge is occupied by a serried line of fishing boats each with its nose to the sea and behind these are ranks of others and it is only just barely possible to squeeze one's way between them over the beach to the drowsy pretty quaint little streets behind them everybody seems to be asleep when we first land the only living creature visible is a cat sitting on the stern of a boat and even that cat according to japanese beliefs might not be a real cat but an obake or a nekomata in short a goblin cat for it has a long tail it is hard work to discover the solitary hotel there are no signs and every house seems a private house either a fisherman's or a farmer's but the little place is worth wandering about in a kind of yellow stucco is here employed to cover the exterior of walls and this light warm tint under the bright blue day gives to the miniature streets a more than cheerful aspect when we do finally discover the hotel we have to wait quite a good while before going in for nothing is ready everybody is asleep or away though all the screens and sliding doors are open evidently there are no thieves in kakaura the hotel is on a little hillock and is approached from the main street the rest are only miniature alleys by two little flights of stone steps 
immediately across the way i see a zen temple and a shinto temple almost side by side at last a pretty young woman naked to the waist with a bosom like a naiad comes running down the street to the hotel at a surprising speed bowing low with a smile as she hurries by us into the house this little person is the waiting-maid of the inn okayo-san name signifying years of bliss presently she reappears at the threshold fully robed in a nice kimono and gracefully invites us to enter which we are only too glad to do the room is neat and spacious shinto kakemono from kitsuki are suspended in the toko and upon the walls and in one corner i see a very handsome zembutsudan or household shrine the form of the shrine as well as the objects of worship therein vary according to the sect of the worshippers suddenly i become aware that it is growing strangely dark and looking about me perceive that all the doors and windows and other apertures of the inn are densely blocked up by a silent smiling crowd which has gathered to look at me i could not have believed there were so many people in kakaura in a japanese house during the hot season everything is thrown open to the breeze all the shoji or sliding paper screens which serve for windows and all the opaque paper screens fusima used in other seasons to separate apartments are removed there is nothing left between floor and roof save the frame or skeleton of the building the dwelling is literally unwalled and may be seen through in any direction the landlord finding the crowd embarrassing closes up the building in front the silent smiling crowd goes to the rear the rear is also closed then the crowd masses to right and left of the house and both sides have to be closed which makes it insufferably hot and the crowd make gentle protest wherefore our host being displeased rebukes the multitude with argument and reason yet without lifting his voice never do these people lift up their voices in anger and what he says i strive to translate with emphasis as follows you as for outrageousness doing what marvellous is theatre is not juggler is not wrestler is not what amusing is honourable guest this is now august to eat time is to look at evil matter is honourable returning time in to look at as for is good but outside soft laughing voices continue to plead pleading shrewdly enough only with the feminine portion of the family the landlord's heart is less easily touched and these too have their arguments obasan okayo-san shoji to open condescend want to see though we look at thing that by looking at is worn out it is not so that not to hinder looking at is good hasten therefore to open as for myself i would gladly protest against this sealing up for there is nothing offensive nor even embarrassing in the gaze of these innocent gentle people but as the landlord seems to be personally annoyed i do not like to interfere the crowd however does not go away it continues to increase waiting for my exit and there is one high window in the rear of which the paper panes contain some holes and i see shadows of little people climbing up to get to the holes presently there is an eye at every hole when i approach the window the peepers drop noiselessly to the ground 
with little timid bursts of laughter and run away but they soon come back again a more charming crowd could hardly be imagined nearly all boys and girls half naked because of the heat but fresh and clean as flower buds many of the faces are surprisingly pretty there are but very few which are not extremely pleasing but where are the men and the old women truly this population seems not of kakaura but rather of the sai no kawara the boys look like little jizo during dinner i amuse myself by poking pears and little pieces of radish through the holes in the shoji at first there is much hesitation and silvery laughter but in a little while the silhouette of a tiny hand reaches up cautiously and a pear vanishes away then a second pear is taken without snatching as softly as if a ghost had appropriated it thereafter hesitation ceases despite the effort of one elderly woman to create a panic by crying out the word mahotsukai wizard by the time the dinner is over and the shoji removed we have all become good friends then the crowd resumes its silent observation from the four cardinal points i never saw a more striking difference in the appearance of two village populations than that between the youth of mitsura and of kaka yet the villages are but two hours sailing distance apart in remoter japan as in certain islands of the west indies particular physical types are developed apparently among communities but slightly isolated on one side of a mountain a population may be remarkably attractive while upon the other you may find a hamlet whose inhabitants are decidedly unprepossessing but nowhere in this country have i seen a prettier genus than that of kakaura returning time in to look at as for is good as we descend to the bay the whole of kakaura including even the long invisible ancients of the village accompanies us making no sound except the pattering of geta thus we are escorted to our boat into all the other craft drawn up on the beach the younger folk clamber lightly and seat themselves upon the prows and the gunwales to gaze at the marvellous thing that by looking at worn out is not and all smile but say nothing even to each other somehow the experience gives me the sensation of being asleep it is so soft so gentle and so queer withal just like things seen in dreams and as we glide away over the blue lucent water i look back to see the people all waiting and gazing still from the great semicircle of boats all the slender brown child limbs dangling from the prose all the velvety black heads motionless in the sun all the boy faces smiling jesus smiles all the black soft eyes still watching tirelessly watching the thing that by looking at worn out is not and as the scene too swiftly receding diminishes to the width of a kakemono i vainly wish that i could buy this last vision of it to place it in my toko and delight my soul betimes with gazing thereon yet another moment and we round a rocky point and kakaura vanishes from my sight for ever so all things pass away assuredly those impressions which longest haunt recollection are the most transitory we remember many more instants than minutes more minutes than hours and who remembers an entire day the sum of the remembered happiness of a lifetime is the creation of seconds 
what is more fugitive than a smile yet when does the memory of a vanished smile expire or the soft regret which that memory may evoke regret for a single individual smile is something common to normal human nature but regret for the smile of a population for a smile considered as an abstract quality is certainly a rare sensation and one to be obtained i fancy only in this orient land whose people smile for ever like their own gods of stone and this precious experience is already mine i am regretting the smile of kaka simultaneously there comes the recollection of a strangely grim buddhist legend once the buddha smiled and by the wondrous radiance of that smile were countless worlds illuminated but there came a voice saying it is not real it cannot last and the light passed end of chapter nine